It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. The Commanders get it done. Win number three in a row in Indianapolis. David's there. And we're here to discuss it with you. How did they get it done? Next on the Locked On Commanders podcast. You are Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Commanders fans, welcome aboard one and all, and welcome in to the Locked On Commanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team each and every day. We, of course, are your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders and free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the WUSA 9 Plus app on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick. We thank you for making us your first listen and or view of the day. I am Chris Russell. Good to have you with us. Uh, And my partner, David Harrison, is in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium. He covers the Washington Commanders for SI.com's Commander Country. Uh, You can listen to me and Pete Medhurst on the Team 980 throughout the Washington, D.C. area, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern time or anytime live, free and or on demand on the Odyssey app, which is also how you can listen to the Locked On Commanders podcast Uh, again always live and free on the Odyssey app. As we welcome David in from Indianapolis, David, of course, the big storyline here is that the Commanders have now won a third in a row. They come from behind again, a 16-7 deficit with about 11 minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. You were there. You saw it for yourself with your very own eyes. What did you see? Uh, Yeah, well, a lot of defensive resilience and that's kind of the way that i'm going to have to put it first and foremost for those of you who usually join our lives uh, i'm going to apologize real quick for my audio not in a radio booth i'm actually still in the press box just a secluded area of the press box which is also why the lighting isn't all that great so uh road trips are always fun and adventurous chris you know that and our uh, viewers and, and you know some of our listeners are going to learn that as well but appreciate you guys being with us anyway and that's really the kind of the best way that i can put this is defensive resilience because uh, early on in the game, you know, it, it was it was just basically on the defense to make sure that the Indianapolis Colts weren't going to be able to do everything that they were trying to do and take advantage of everything they were trying to build uh, to keep the team in it and even preserve the early lead that they were able to take into halftime and coming out of the second half. And then as the second half went going, you saw the Indianapolis Colts be able to exploit a couple of things and take advantage of some things. They were saying uh, that Ron Rivera was already, you know, saying that he's very much not happy about some of the things that were happening on the field but they'll address those. But even with some of those bad things happening and some of the chunk plays and explosive plays that we saw in the second half, still able to keep the uh, the team in it enough to give Taylor Heineken the offense a chance to eventually pull it out in the end. Well, and that they did. And that's really where we, I guess, start that final drive, David. You know, they take over with two and a half uh, or so left to go and have to go 89 yards. Now, it was key that they only needed – um, six points in order to tie, meaning a touchdown to tie, and the extra point would give them the lead, uh, you know, again, uh, and that's the way it would work out in a 17-16 win. Uh, but to me, when you look at this team, 
and the plays that were made on that final drive, and they they had to convert on a fourth down. Uh, Curtis Samuel, uh, Taylor Heineke, I'm going to break that down uh, a little bit more. A big one to Cam Sims over the middle. A huge pass to Terry McLaurin up for grabs. He goes up and snatches it as you as you titled the, the show Homecoming King, right? I mean, so many things had to go right on that final drive for the yeah. commanders to be in a position for Taylor Heineke to plunge it in from one yard out and for Joey Sly to get an extra point off that was almost blocked, by the way, and would have been a disaster to give them the 17-16 lead and then to hang on for dear life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just a lot of things, like you said, that had to kind of go right. And it was it was just kind of interesting because, you know, we were talking about it. Uh, in the press box, you know, as, as we kind of just talk amongst ourselves and and coming into that last drive of, of the entire game, uh, Taylor Heineke just really hadn't had a whole lot of passing success and hadn't done uh, a whole lot of things that you would want to see uh, him do, especially building off of what happened against Green Bay Packers. We all mm-hmm. kind of came out of that game, uh, you know, the second half specifically saying that, man, you know, if, if that second half is indicative of what we'll see from a Taylor Heineke-led offense moving forward, then this team is in a really good position and, and what actually ended up happening is, is much much different uh you know that, that we're going to talk about throughout the episode uh but yeah those last drives i mean specifically that final one the the most passing production he had in the entire game so if you're going to do it do it on the last drive i asked ron rivera after the game uh if he learned anything or confirmed anything that he already knew about his quarterback uh, and he jokingly started the answer by saying uh well I, I learned that he was saving it for the end and you know we all had a nice laugh uh, over that, but then he kind of just talked about the resiliency that, again, you just can't quantify, but you do witness it from time to time on the field. Yeah, 89 yards. They took over a 239 left on the clock, three timeouts plus the two-minute warning, and down to 22 seconds. And, again, 89 yards is not, you know, your your standard 75-yard drive, okay, after a kickoff, and, you know, you take the ball at the 25. I mean, they had to drive – uh, not the entire length of the field, but pretty much the entire length of the field. For me, David, uh, obviously the final drive is what we'll all remember and what made this win. And again, all the great plays and the legend of Taylor Heineke and the Heineke Hive and all that. But you know what? We can't lose sight of the second to last drive because they were dead on arrival at that point. Heineke had had the horrible turnover, uh, pressure off the right side of the offensive line. Um and, and and Heineke threw one up for grabs, and obvi- I mean, it looked like the game was, you know, quite honestly over at that point, especially after Indianapolis punches it in right after that. So that 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 final drive was huge, but a twelve play, eighty-two uh, yard field goal drive gets the Commanders to within six. Again, very key. Uh, gets the Commanders to within six, and I think they got that drive going with a couple of screens, a swing pass to the right, quick and easy throws, but also not only quick and easy calls and reads, but also good, accurate throws for Taylor Heineke, something he doesn't always do on the short passes. And to me, that woke up the Commanders' offense, got them the three points, and got them right back in the game and gave them a chance yeah they really kind of turned to something they were doing earlier in the game you know they, they Antonio Gibson was kind of the main back early to, to start the ball game and they did some running with them but they also hit uh, on some of those screen plays that you were talking about not a lot of them went for what would be technically considered explosive plays but uh, there was an early screen that was 18 yards that technically you know 20 yards is explosive explosive so if it's not 20 it's not explosive so 18 is not explosive but 18 is about as close as you get to explosive without being uh, that and it was very impactful, and then they turned back to it towards the end of the game, and uh, it helped them win. No doubt about it. We're going to get to our plays of the day on both sides 
uh, in just a moment, guys. Plus, inside and defense, uh, the offensive and defensive performances and how they help the commanders. But now, a word from our sponsor. All right, guys, you know that when you are trying to do life, right? Uh, it's tough to train your brain to kind of stay in problem-solving mode and to not get too down, not to get too despondent when you're faced with uh, challenge after challenge in life. But when you learn how to find out your own solutions, there's no better feeling, right? And a sense of accomplishment. But sometimes you need help. And the commanders needed help. Sometimes you might need help. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easy to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. That's why I'm in the beginning stages of getting some help myself. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched up with a therapist after following, uh, filling out rather a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can help you get there. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back with you on the Locked On Commanders podcast. Good to have you guys aboard. The Commanders took away a win in more ways than one from the Colts. Details on that coming up. But first, we thank you for hanging out here with us on the Locked On Commanders podcast and making us your first listen and first watch of the day. For your second listen and watch, check out Locked On Sports today. Uh, from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, it's available on the app, on this app, I should say, or YouTube, uh, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, David, back to uh, our plays of the day. I'm going to kick it over to you because, yeah. you know, you opened the show with defense, uh, but I want you to expand a little bit on one of the big plays that maybe people forgot about considering the epic offensive comeback. Uh, it was really kind of the defense that set the tone, as you mentioned, in our open. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, the, the, unfortunately, the title, like we just we got to kind of put as much information as the show in the show title as we can. So we mentioned the defense in there and, and the defense, actually the third thing that we mentioned in there, but really, I mean, the defense should be kind of the first thing. And, you know, when we get to our game balls, we'll talk about that too. The group as a whole, you know, definitely earned this win. Uh, I think anytime you hold an opposing team under 20 points and you can say that your defense is, is earning a win, it's whether or not your offense is going to be able to counter punch and score enough points uh, to be able to secure the thing for you. And, and that's really part of the, the discussion that we'll get to. But one of the biggest plays, you know, I know John Allen, you know, was was had a hand in forcing uh, a fumble in the game as well. But I think that when you look at just the totality of the team, Derek Forrest uh, forcing a fumble on Jonathan Taylor, Taylor I mean, just uh, just not that long ago was an MVP candidate. They're, they're shutting down Lucas Oil Stadium on us. They're, they're going to lock us in here. Um, and, you know, in here, Derek Forrest is a second-year player, you know, not highly – touted coming out of Cincinnati and, and all this stuff. And now, you know, he's making one of the biggest plays of the game. And, 
and the Washington Commanders are able to get the ball back now. The thing you don't like seeing is the fact that explosive plays lead right. to the Commanders, you know, being backed up in their own red zone for both fumbles. So you want to kind of erase those things. I think that's mm-hmm. what Ron Rivera is talking about when he says there's some issues that they have to clean up. But at the end of the day, when your defense has the ability to not say, yo, what was us? We gave up this big play. Boo-hoo. We're not doing well. No, they rise up. They stand up. They do their job. They do what needs to be done to get the ball back and give their offense a chance. Derek Forrest uh, forcing that fumble. That was a big part of it as well. Yeah, so much for that snazzy backdrop you had of, yeah. of the, the field behind you and and the guy running uh, all around. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, you know, we're, again, doing this live. We can only control yeah. uh, so much. For my play of the day, I'm going to go with the fourth down conversion on that final drive to Curtis Samuel. We kind of alluded to it uh, in our open, but when you go back and watch that play, watch it again because – Taylor Heineke pump fakes to the left. He's not yeah. reading Curtis Samuel, who's lined up to the right. He pump fakes to the left, holds it because he doesn't like what he sees. Then he takes like a jab step forward, like he's going to maybe run for it. Because again, remember, it's fourth and uh, like one and a half-ish right after J.D. McKissick slips and wipes out, uh, mm-hmm. out of the timeout, right? So they need two plays to get basically a yard and a half. They don't get it on the first play, third down. So he takes a jab step kind of forward and realizes, oh, no, I can't go there because I'm going to get swallowed up and the game's going to be over. And then he bumps back out of it and rolls to his right, keeps his eyes up, keeps his hips uh, in the right position, and then fires a strike to, again, Curtis Samuel. I think it was for 11 yards, 10 yards, whatever it was. To me, of course, that's you know arguably the most important uh, individual play uh, of the day. But the way it happened and the way it unfolded, certainly um, really important for Taylor Heineke and the commanders, yeah. uh, who, again, come up with a big performance. Overall, David, from the offensive side, I mean, there was a lot to like, but also there was some not to like. And I know yeah. you're kind of worried about, uh, I guess, maybe some trust in Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, if the trust in Taylor is really there. And and what's what's hard about that that sentence is I don't know where that lack of trust is coming from, if it is indeed there, because throughout the course of the early part of the game, and I know some fans uh, were, were noticing, I saw the traffic on Twitter, and people were noticing the play call was extremely, uh, extremely conservative. You know what I mean? Like they weren't really attacking the Indianapolis Colts. And uh, it's kind of ironic because Candy Waller and I were talking, uh, Candy Waller of, of uh, uh, Seawall Sports and, or Seawall Entertainment, sorry. And uh, she mentioned, she's like, man, like this team isn't taking shots. And they really, we really thought they would at least take, you know, a couple shots here and there, like maybe two a quarter, uh, something like that. And they really aren't taking shots. And like almost on cue, the Indianapolis Colts took a shot. That's the big, uh, the big pass they connected on over Benjamin St. Juice to Alec Pierce. And we're like, you know, so the Colts are taking shots, but now the Washington Commanders aren't taking shots. And uh, again, in that answer, uh, where I asked Ron Rivera if he learned anything or confirmed anything about his quarterback, and he's when he says, you know, he's kind of joking, right? But, but a lot of times, a little bit of truth is said in jest. We said he was saving it for the end. That almost kind of made me wonder because I came into it thinking Scott Turner doesn't trust Taylor Heineken. Scott Turner's calling very conservative offense. He's really not letting his quarterback rip it. He's just kind of going dink to dunk, do small stuff. We know we have a defense that can keep the score low. Let's not get too too ahead of ourselves. And then all of a sudden you're trailing and now you don't have a choice. And, and to me, that's the worst position to put a quarterback like Taylor Heineke in. But you see him deliver. And then Ron says, well, it turns out he was saving it for the end. So now I'm, I'm wondering, well, okay, was this a Scott Turner thing or is this Taylor Heineke having the calls and just deciding to maybe, you know, in his mind, want to play smart football? And these are all things that maybe we can ask him, you know, later in the week on, on Wednesday when we see Taylor again. Uh, but that kind of got me thinking. So to me, it looks early on like, 
either the play calling is limiting Taylor or Taylor is just not taking the shots uh, that are that are being drawn up for him. And I just wonder if it's a lack of confidence or faith in himself or if it's Scott Turner uh, with a lack of faith in Taylor. But listen, the Colts, the Bears, uh, even the Packers this season, you can kind of wait for them to make their own mistakes and, and take your shot when, when the time comes. You know, 12-round fight, wait till the 8th or ninth to really make your move. The Minnesota Vikings, I don't know that you can do that. I don't yeah. know that you can come out with this, with this passive offense. So whatever it is that caused that conservative approach early needs to get figured out before next week. Yeah, I, I mean, I listen, I think there is a lot of conservatism, if you will, uh, and, mm-hmm. and trying to limit the mistakes and trying to ask too much from Taylor Heineke, especially no Jahan Dotson. Obviously, the offensive line uh, still not great, quite honestly. They got ambushed at times in this game, uh, including on the bad interception, uh, including on the fourth and one stop. But I, I would say this, there is a clear lack of faith, certainly at the end of the first halves of these games. And that goes mm-hmm. back to Carson Wentz. They don't trust their quarterbacks to make plays when there's under two minutes or around two minutes or less than two minutes. And even though you have timeout, they don't trust them to go into halftime and have bad juju, bad momentum. So that is a sign. We'll get more into that, obviously, as the week goes along. For me, there was way too much inefficiency from the commander's uh, offense outside of the three scoring drives. You know, I mean, it's all that they needed. Like you said, it ain't going to be enough against the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins, who makes his first uh, trip back to FedEx field since leaving as a free agent next Sunday with the Minnesota Vikings and then the Eagles on Monday night football, who still might be undefeated uh, Mm. at that point. They'll play Thursday night. Uh, Listen, they failed on the fourth down and one opportunity at midfield. Many had an issue with the pistol alignment. Uh, It was really about the offensive lineman and and John Bates, who's one of the better blocking um, tight ends in the game. He he didn't get a key block and a free linebacker just shoot straight through uh, at Brian Robinson. They had 24 plays on six possessions, David, in between the scores, the first score and then the field goal drive the second to last drive that's just an average of four drive uh, four plays per possession so that's you know that's a problem especially when you consider the turnover on downs and interception not converting yep. on third down not getting enough uh momentum and not helping out their defense uh much at all before we go too much further yep. david let's go into that defense uh for me the key it's going to get kind of lost in some of the turnovers and takeaways, but the second down stop by Cam Curl on Michael Pittman on a fly sweep in which, at least on the TV version, and I think at the stadium itself, they sent off the celebration and everybody thought the Colts had scored a touchdown. <laughs> yeah. And correctly, the officials got it right without even reviewing it. They got it right. They said, no, it was not a touchdown. He was down, and he was. And it's because Cam Curl blew him up at the goal line, and then the third Third down and goal stop. The next play from Cam, uh, from Jamin Davis, right? Say whatever you want about Jamin Davis and pass coverage and this, that, and the other thing, missed tackles. He didn't miss this one. He yeah. blew up Jonathan Taylor. That forced a field goal and made it 9-7 Colts. They score a touchdown there. I don't think, you know, I mean, and, yeah. and the final score would tell us the commanders don't win. Right. And that and that's kind of the point. Like, look, the defense was not perfect. You know, you know, don't don't get, you know, don't get what mm-hmm. I'm saying. What anybody's saying twisted, like. The defense was not perfect. And again, Ron Rivera acknowledged that. J.P. Finley asked a very pointed question. Just kind of said, hey, you know, you seem very, very frustrated despite the win. And Ron said, yeah, I am, because there's a lot that they have to clean up. So it's good that they know that they need to clean those up. Good that they're celebrating right. the win. Um, but, you know, you always want to learn from a win rather than try to learn from a loss, because that's that's much worse. Uh, but, yeah, all those things, you know, are, are valid. Uh, we got some people out here, Eric Allen in the live chat, saying that the fans believe in Taylor and, and Stefan, Stefan or Stefan, I'm not sure how. 
uh, that's pronounced for you. I'm um, saying same thing. He trusts Taylor. The fans trust Taylor, and, and we know the Heineke Hive is buzzing. They're they're ready yeah. to go. And and Chris, if, if they can pull off another win against Minnesota, and if you go into Philly on Monday Night Football riding a four game win streak, this thing is going to get really fun really fast. So uh, shout out to all of you guys joining us here in the live chat. Let us know where you're watching from. Let us know what you think. Taylor defense. Otherwise, uh, we got game balls coming up, so definitely make sure you let us know who your game ball will go to. Absolutely. We do appreciate you guys, no doubt about it. So, uh, again, a big defensive performance, a big offensive performance late uh, for the Commanders in the 17-16 win. Remember, they won a couple of games during their four-game winning streak last year, David, against Seattle on Monday Night Football at FedEx and then against the Las Vegas Raiders just five and a half days later in Vegas, 17-15, the final scores in those games. This, 17-16. So something about that 17-point number and winning streaks and whew, somehow coming away with some tight tight victory. So the commanders pop back to 500 guys. But if you're looking to pop the question, oh yes, this holiday season, man, if you have a milestone to celebrate or want to let your love sparkle, our friends at Blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable as the original online jewel of Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. Blue Nile has millions of couples creating their perfect engagement ring. Their easy online tools let you choose diamond shape, size, clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then help you handcraft her perfect one-of-a-kind engagement ring. If you're looking for a piece of fine jewelry, a watch, they have it all for you, and they have jewelry experts on hand 24-7 available via phone or chat. It's that simple, guys. A gift for every budget. Shop stress-free, 100% satisfaction guarantee. All orders insured and shipping for free in discreet package. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use the code Locked On to save $50 and use... Uh, on your purchase of $500 or more. That's B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E, BlueNile.com, code locked on to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more at BlueNile.com, code locked on. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, wrapping up the Locked On Commanders podcast, David Harrison at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Again, this will serve as not only our live Sunday post game as we traditionally do, but also our full Monday episode. We appreciate you being with us. But Victory Monday, David, means we're handing out some game balls and we're kind of doing something that we started doing last week at FedEx Field, kind of doing it like three stars of the game, three stars of the night like they do in the NHL. And we'll start here with our number three star and listen he wasn't pretty for a lot of the game but again those two final drives and something about some of the escapability and some of the off-platform off-schedule plays that I just don't know if this team was ever going to get from Carson Wentz and you got to give a tip of the cap it wasn't pretty it was ugly at a lot of times but Taylor Heineke somehow pulled a win out of the magic hat 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I try to stay away a little bit from like the Carson, like would Carson have done what Terry or what Terry, what, what uh, Taylor would have done. And all those, I just think that they have, you know, different skill sets enough that we really, I don't want to say can't because obviously we can, but I, you know, I, I just want to stay away from those comparisons personally, myself, by all means, you and anybody else can, can, can dive freely uh, into those uh, real quick. We have some, some viewers from Texas uh, uh, chiming in here, Sergio talking about scary Terry. Um, we appreciate all of you guys, of course, and and we got Yam in Japan. And look, I know what it's like to watch NFL football overseas. That is uh, some commitment. Everybody's committed, but that is some commitment. So I appreciate, really appreciate all of our overseas guys uh, too. But look, Taylor Heineken. This kind of goes back to the whole trust thing, right? Before those final two drives uh, of the game, he's got 128, 129 yards. Mm-hmm. The final two drives of the game combined. He pulls off 156, if I remember, if my math is, is correct on that one. That's exactly why I asked the question, Ron, that I did about him. Um, and I think while it shows that 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 resiliency that you can't really measure because, you know, it's more of an effort thing uh, than anything else, and it also shows his ability uh, to, to really turn it on. And we've seen Taylor do this. I think seeing this as a comeback effort, especially late in the game, final drive type situation, that is a little bit new or a little bit more rare, I think, uh, in, in this circumstance. So I really like seeing that. And again, for second week straight, we're going to come out and say, is what we saw late in the game going to be what we see early in the game next week? Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be the key of continuing the stack win. Yeah. And a second consecutive passing touchdown week or passing touchdown connection to Antonio Gibson, which uh, again, for those that don't remember what he was at Memphis, he was a wide receiver, not a running back. So certainly yeah. good to see that was earlier uh, in the first half, but not much scoring until those two final drives outside of that. Again, one touchdown drive that ended in AG's uh, touchdown. By the way, uh, Antonio Gibson clearly seems to have once again catapulted ahead of Brian Robinson as the main running back du jour, if you will, yeah. for the Washington Commanders. He has not had any ball security issues since the preseason. Um, Star number two or game ball number two, David, uh, I think we should go with Jonathan Allen here. Uh, you mentioned the defense as a whole. We mentioned Derek Forrest popping one out of Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Allen, um, who is the heart and soul of this defense, he had a four-yard run loss uh, right around the red zone, if you will. Mm-hmm. Indianapolis was marching in the first half. Uh, and then his pressure as, um, as, as the quarterback stepped up, uh, for Indianapolis, his pressure forced a turnover at the Washington 17-yard line, and it was ultimately recovered by uh, the commanders at their own 22-yard line. He didn't actually force the fumble, but his pressure did by Ellinger. And I think Deron Payne, if memory serves me correct, picked that one up. And the Washington commanders saved at least three points probably. Who knows? Maybe even more in that particular spot. Two back-to-back huge plays by Jonathan Allen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and captain of the defense for a reason. And, you know, every time he talks in the locker room, everybody swarms around him because everybody wants to hear what John has to say. I mean, you know, and that's, uh, again, you, you pick up plays and, you know, we picked up the Derek Forrest play and all that stuff. And it's not because we don't appreciate what John is doing. It's just, and, and you almost hate to say this too, but like, that's what John brings to the, to the field. You know what I mean? But at the same time, so when we praise Derek Forrest for that effort, because again, takeaways are effort plays, especially fumbles. Like those are effort plays. Those are not right. things that just happen out of, you know, luck and, and all that. So unless a guy just drops the ball on his own, then it's a little bit lucky. But, you know, when you're knocking a guy out, like Derek Forrest comes in there to hit that that ball carrier with intent. Like there is a a, uh, a, a process behind that, I should say. Um, and John Allen kind of leads that that charge. And he does it 
it's weird because he kind of does it very quietly. Like he's just a very quiet, almost like the scary drill sergeant that you can see in basic training that doesn't yell at you and doesn't spit in your face. And because he doesn't do all that stuff or she doesn't do all that stuff, she, she or he is the most terrifying of them all. That's John now. Yeah, and our number one game ball and number one star of the game and the win for the Commanders for a second week in a row. The homecoming King. The Homecoming King. But think about this. One of his original nicknames, Scary Terry, and it's yeah. Halloween, baby. <laughs> Home at the uh, Lucas Oil Stadium where he used to watch Colts games. Terry McLaurin earlier in the game, David, had a 42-yard catch and run on a crossing route, um, yeah. and, and that kind of fueled a little bit of the offense for a little bit. That may have come on the Gibson touchdown drive. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and check my notes. But obviously the big play at the end, setting up uh, the commanders at the one-yard line, just huge. And yeah. somehow they got away with him ripping off his helmet and yelling at everybody <laughs> without a personal foul or an unsportsmanlike con. I have I have no yeah. idea how it happened, but I, I'm not asking for anything to happen. No, hey, let's, <laughs> exactly. let's not let them turn these lights back on. And be, whoa, whoa, we missed it, guys. Right. We have to come back. Right. Um, look, uh, Terry McLaurin, not going to get into the full language, so I'm going to paraphrase this, basically told the Colts defense that Indianapolis was his town. That's basically what he said. If you go watch the video, read his lips. Uh, yeah. Scary Terry was home, and, and he was reclaiming uh, his turf. The only thing is, I mean, you want to see a touchdown. You know what I mean? Look, I, I even said, I was like, let's, let's do a, a one-yard wildcat with Terry McLaurin. You know what I mean? Let's get him that touchdown. But you want to win the game. You don't want to pull craziness out of your hat at the last minute. You want to win the game, and that's exactly uh, what they did. Look, I've never been happier for a botched play than I was after that 42-yarder because uh, because of the fact the pass was thrown behind him instead of in front of him and behind Taylor uh, instead of in front of him that was actually went down as a run which means that 42 yard pass uh, was his first NFL catch back in his hometown and I mean you know other than a touchdown you absolutely love to see it for Terry talked about just the way just what it means you know what I mean not just being home but then Marvin Harrison you know he dressed up as Marvin Harrison two years back to back as a as a kid uh, in Indianapolis and then to see Marvin uh, before the game because they they did enshrine him into the ring of honor not only see him but Marvin Harrison came up to Terry, he said, and asked Terry for a picture with him. And he said it just just blew his mind, just a full circle moment. Um, I even asked him about, like, why, you know, if that's why he is so adamant about talking to fans and especially kids and, and signing autographs and taking pictures uh, that he's so famous for doing. And he said, absolutely, uh, it is to reach out to the next generation of future Terry McLaurin's out there. Maybe someday he can kind of go ask, uh, ask uh, you know, that, that kid that watched him play growing up yep. for their photo. I, look, I already told... Chris, look, we try to be as unbiased as we can. I, I fully will admit that I told Washington PR that if Terry McLaurin is actually a bad person behind closed doors, do not ever tell me. Because I don't want that image to ever go away. Uh, also, congratulations, uh, people that might not remember this, to assistant defensive line coach Ryan Kerrigan, yeah. part of the coaching staff. Now, he's from the Indianapolis area and grew up at, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium and, uh, you know, the RCA Dome and all that stuff uh, going to Colts games. So congratulations yeah. again uh, to him and to the commanders for a 17-16 win a third straight. They host Kirk yeah. Cousins. Kevin O'Connell and the Minnesota Vikings at FedEx Field. And one more quick game ball. First off, Yan in Japan, Lucas Oil is a very nice stadium. My first time in this stadium. It is very nice. Um, very happy. Except to, to when be they turn here. out the lights. Except for when they turn. They're rude, apparently. But right. they, it is very nice. They're just, right. they're, just, they're just tired. They want to go home. It's a later yeah. game. They just want to get out of here. Um, uh, but also to Chris Russell. So uh, a little bit of a symbolic game ball. I'm going to hand that out to Chris Russell. <laughs> you guys might have heard of him predicted a 19 to 17 score here or 19 16 score rather commanders win so not only three and oh when the command when he predicts the commanders to win 
but also two points off the actual score. So, Chris, hat tip to you. Um, Let's hope that uh, you have enough ammo to predict a win against Minnesota Vikings because that means it's going to happen. Thanks, pal. I appreciate you. Uh, I might have to pick the Viking. I mean, I might have to pick the commanders to win over the Vikings just to keep the good karma uh, going, even if I don't know if they're going to win or not. Certainly, they're going to need a better offensive performance uh, than they got overall today. But guys, 17-16 win back on uh, the next edition to talk about it in full and even more. And Ron Rivera will speak between now and then. So we will have all of those details for you. We appreciate you guys all being with us live and whenever you're listening or watching the Locked On Commanders podcast. We very much appreciate you. We can't do it without you. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you. For your next listen and watch, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. If you want to hop in for the next editions, 301-615-3577. That's 301-615-3577 on the voicemail lines. And for my partner, David Harrison, at Lucas Oil Stadium, who's covering the Washington Commanders for SI.com's Fan Nation and Commander Country, I'm Chris Russell, one half of the Russell and Medhurst Show on the Team 980. If you're out and about, please be safe, be kind to one another, safe flight home for David, and thank you for joining us live and wherever you're listening right here on the Locked On Commanders Podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.